Support for MPB comes from the Mississippi Museum of Art in Jackson. What Became of Dr. Smith by artist Noah Satterstrom is on view now through September 22, 2024. Learn more at msmuseumart.org. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. It's made possible in part by contributions from podcast listeners. Please consider making a contribution by going to the Donate Now tab at mpbonline.org. Thanks for your financial support. Welcome to the Mississippi Arts Hour on MPB Think Radio. I'm Sarah Story, the Executive Director of the Mississippi Arts Commission. And we are joined today by Adam Trust. Welcome, Adam. Ah, Thanks for having me. So Adam's an artist from Laurel, Mississippi. He's known for his Southern folk art style, and he's represented by the Karen Gallery, a Mississippi art gallery with locations in Tupelo and Laurel. Adam recently illustrated the New York Times bestselling children's book, The Lantern House, with friend and co-host of HGTV's hometown, Aaron, is it Napier? Napier. Napier. He has also released a collection of paintings, Mississippi Lost and Found, currently on view at the Mississippi Arts and Entertainment Experience in Meridian. So glad that you're here. Yeah, this is awesome. So tell us a little bit first about growing up in Mississippi. Yeah, so we um, we moved to Mississippi when I was in like the first grade. My parents were from here. We kind of traveled all over the southeast and um, landed back here pretty young. Um, I lived in Meridian for a little while. And then um, around the fourth grade, my parents were like, we're moving home. So we um, moved to Laurel. And um, that sort of has been home base since the ripe old age of nine. Um, And then just growing up in Laurel was, it was such a cool experience. Um, I really, I had the opportunity to go to a school right across the street from the Lauren Rogers Museum. So I was able to um, sort of spend my childhood roaming the the halls of of the museum and getting to just be surrounded by art and really just influenced you know who I was going to become it's pretty cool that's awesome yeah um the Lauren Rogers has just great collections and changing exhibitions and like every time I visit, I find something new. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, and they've expanded, I bet, since you've Yeah, been... so, you know, as a nine-year-old, it's been a minute. So they've added on some new wings and, um, you know, their collection has expanded for sure. Um, it wasn't really until I went to college that I sort of appreciated what we had there. You know, you just growing up around something, it's just kind of always there. Uh, and then it would be when I would have professors start talking about pieces that I remembered from being in the collection as these masterworks or, you know, they'd start dropping, you know, the, the Rodin sculpture, you know, things like that. You'd be like, oh, man, maybe the Lauren Rogers was a cooler place than I than I expected. And then now as an adult getting to share it with my kids, it's it's a really cool place. That's great. So did you have art in school when you were growing up? Absolutely. You know, I um, so elementary school, I was in a private school and had um, an amazing amazing art teacher that really poured into just the creativity of being a child. Um, Lisa Lisa Thames was my art teacher, and she really just instilled just a love of art. And then, um, then I went to a public high school and um, was very fortunate to have two amazing um, art teachers there that uh, one is now retired and the other one was teaching on a college level. And um, just really, again, they just really grew my creativity, really pushed me to to celebrate the arts and taught me the basics and um, helped me, you know, not to be scared of just really going for it in my work. And um, 
And then from there, you know, went on to college and had even more amazing mentors that just developed me into into the artist I am today. That's great. Yeah. And tell us a little bit about your college experience. Yeah. So that was that's a funny story. <laughs> I went to uh, Mississippi State. Um, I was going to be an architect. That was the plan. Um, and I did um, three and a half years of architecture school before I changed my major over. And um, I had a class with Brent Funderburk, uh, this amazing watercolorist. Um, and he sort of helped me change my mind. <laughs> and he, um, you know, helped guide me and mentor me into becoming a painter and uh, just helped me kind of see the opportunities that were available there for me. And it really just encouraged me to to pursue my passion of painting. And, um, you know, other professors that I had there were just very encouraging and just the entire art department really still they're still encouraging me all these years later. Uh, and, you know, some of my biggest cheerleaders, I feel like, still uh, from that department, just helping me, um, you know, feel like I'm on the right track. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, it's such a wonderful art school and community in Starkville, and people don't always know that. And, you know, I'm finding that as I'm, you know, becoming more of myself in this um, this arts community in Mississippi, we're really finding the, com- art, the community of artists in the state of Mississippi are really... They're all like that. Like, it's mm-hmm. such a welcoming community that we're all sort of cheering for each other. Like, it's it's a cool, it's a very cool community to have, for sure. Yeah, that's awesome. It's so nice that it is a smaller state, so you can feel like you get to know people, sure. or it's always, like, one connection away if yeah. you want to talk to somebody. Exactly. It's really nice. Everybody knows somebody that can help you. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> Absolutely. So um, what did you do after undergrad? Did you uh, start painting full time or? Um, that was the goal. I, um, you know, I moved home. Um, I actually lived in a garage apartment on the same street that I live on now. Um, and I started teaching at a private school, teaching art. Um, and for the next really kind of 10 years, I was always teaching somewhere, teaching art. Um, I taught a year of gifted studies um, in the public schools. Um, It was, but always art was sort of the main focus and then teaching sort of came naturally. I think everyone in my family just about has been a teacher at some point. Um, And so, yeah, right after school, just jumping into the art community of Laurel. Like mm-hmm. we just talked about the art community in Mississippi is great. Thanks to the museum and the artists that it has sort of brought to our town. Um, there's an amazing arts community in Laurel as well. And and being supported by those other artists and encouraged, it had the same feel of like a studio setting in, in college. And I loved that. Uh, there was always somebody that was there to encourage you or, um, you know, give you a critique, you know, like that's something that I thrive on is having another artist's opinion. And um, and then we would find that in Laurel, that was that was always the case. There was someone that could talk you through a new series or a new painting, or maybe they were doing a technique that you weren't doing. And, um, and so I lived back in Laurel for a year and a half or so. And, and then I decided that um, I was going to do, go do bigger and better things. And so I, um, I moved to Fairhope, Alabama. and I, uh, Much lived, larger town. Yeah, just oh, you know, just those big, <laughs> big towns, <city>. big cities <laughs> is what I love. Uh, no, but yeah, I uh, moved to Fairhope because I loved their arts community. And I loved the, um, I just, you know, wanted the change of scenery, the, the coast and the, um, just the identity that Fairhope had was very appealing to me. And um, I lived there for a year. Um, 
amazing experience. I lived on a sailboat. It was just this cool sort of like, you know, after college life that I was living. And, um, but it was funny because at the end of the year, I realized like the majority of the work that I was doing was still for clients in Laurel. Uh, I was, Mm. you know, doing commissions for people in Laurel and, you know, just, I had built this sort of, um, built this really beautiful relationship with my hometown. And so at the end of that year, I moved back home and um, just decided that um, Laurel could be great. And um, that was sort of the beginning of this sort of revitalization that happened in Laurel that um, I've been super fortunate to get to be a, get to be a part of. And, um, but that was, you know, I, I met my wife while I was in Fairhope, who also is from Jones County, which is crazy. Um, so <laughs> me moving home was also her moving home. And, um, you know, we were able to, to move back to Laurel, and that was where we sort of started life. That's great. Yeah, tell us a little bit more about the revitalization of Laurel. I, I feel like probably most Mississippians realize the boom that it has right now. Everyone would probably just attribute it to HGTV show, Hometown. But sure. this has been going on for a while, right? Yeah, when I moved home from college in 2010, um, so 12 years ago, that was, you know, sitting on boards like the Main Street Board and seeing sort of the behind the scenes of what was to come in Laurel. There was so much that was um, in the works. Mm. And um, and then all of a sudden, you know, Ben and Aaron come to us and they're like, hey, someone wants to do a TV show. And we're like, okay, well, that's cool. And um, every st- step of the way they would come in and be like, they want to film a sizzle, which is like a five-minute episode. And they would be like, um, but it's probably not going to go any further than this. So, you know, let's sh- let's give them our best. Let's show them what we've got. And then they'd come back and be like, okay, well, they want a pilot. So let's we're filming a pilot episode, and this is probably it. It won't go any further than this. And But every step of the way, you know, it was um, – we would see a little boost, a little, mm-hmm. you would get people that would be like, okay, well, this is exciting. And before it was over with, the beauty of the beauty of the revitalization of Laurel was, um, yes, the television show did amazing things for our town and is still doing amazing things for our town. But the biggest thing it did was it gave people the ability to dream. It gave mm. people, like we have, I love it, um, there's a men's clothing store downtown, you know, would the owner have opened a men's clothing store without that boost of confidence knowing that there would be customers there? Maybe not. You know, mm-hmm. would the ice cream parlor have opened? Maybe not. You know, all of these businesses that were once vacant buildings that are now these really cool shops, um, they have this, you know, they were given permission to take a dream and turn it into a reality without a hundred percent of the risk. You know, like right. there's still risk. There's sure. always risk. But they were given that little boost of confidence to say, "It's this could work. You know, mm-hmm. let's do something really cool." And and because of that, our town has really just become this really amazing place. My kids are growing up in a completely different Laurel than I grew up in. The one I grew up in was pretty cool. The one that they're growing up in, I mean, you know, that we hope that the cycle continues. So. Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. So most of downtown, like most small towns in Mississippi, was pretty empty when oh, that all sure. started, right? And Absolutely. so it's just neat that – and Laurel has a pretty good-sized downtown for a town of its size. Absolutely. You so. know, back in the turn of the century, whenever our town was being built – um, the infrastructure there was just, well, we had trolleys and multiple theaters wow. and the, the founding family of Laurel built all these amazing things. And, um, and then over the course of the years, our downtown sort of died and 
then you know we're given the opportunity to bring it back. This is Sarah Story, the Executive Director of the Mississippi Arts Commission. You're listening to the podcast version of the Mississippi Arts Hour. To have access to all Arts Hour interviews, subscribe to the podcast on any podcasting app. You can also hear the show on MPB Think Radio every Sunday afternoon at 5 p.m. Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome back to the Mississippi Arts Hour on MPB Think Radio. I'm Sarah Story, the executive director of the Mississippi Arts Commission. Today we're joined by Adam Trust, an artist in Laurel, Mississippi. So we were talking about all the changes that's happened in Laurel since you've been there and uh, the revitalization with HGTV. So tell us a little bit more about that show and like how you're involved, how you've been involved with it. Yeah, that. absolutely. So, you know, hometown has been a really huge blessing for our town. I mean, it's it's brought so much visibility to a town that we've always loved. And now we, we laugh because we're like, now everyone else gets to love it the way that we do. Um, you know, hometown is... Um, it's such a cool show to me because you have Ben and Aaron who are awesome and they're just like any other host of an of an HGTV show. I mean, we like to think that they're they're better, but you know, they're they're just the great hosts of the show. They're very personable, you know, fun people. Um, but the thing that we love about Hometown is that there's like a third character and um, the third host of the show is Laurel, mm-hmm. right? Like we have, you know, you get to know the plumber that has been my plumber for the last 10 years, but my Purvis gets to be, you know, a character on this show that becomes part of our story. And, you know, Mike, the hardwood floor guy, was such a pivotal part of, you know, the seasons that he was on. And, you know, when, when the show started, that was the thing that Ben and Aaron kept saying was um, they, they wanted to make sure that, um, well, they just keep tell- kept telling us that a rising tide raises all ships. Like that was their motto was, if it's good for us, we want it to be great for you guys too. Um, and so they wanted to make sure that our whole community was lifted with with this amazing opportunity that we were given. And so that's sort of been my experience with the, the show is, um, you know, Aaron and I, we collaborated for years before the show ever came. So it was sort of a natural progression. You know, she had a wedding session our wedding stationery company. Mm -hmm. So she needed illustrations for a wedding invitation. And I was one of the people she used to help with that. Or, you know, um, when I needed business cards, she printed them for me. And, you know, like we just had a great relationship of working together on projects. And, and so when it came time for hometown, you know, that relationship continued where, you know, we were able to, I think we've designed wallpaper, we've designed fabric, um, I've just gotten to be a painter a few times, which is my favorite. You know, like that's that is what I do every day. And so to be able to have my work featured on episodes, whether they mention me or not, there's there's probably a print of mine stuck in a corner in in every house, just about. <laughs> you know, and um, and every now and then I'll get you know the we call it the money shot, a good painting over the fireplace or something. But just you know having the opportunity to do that, and then um, you know also the gallery that represents me, they provide a lot of the artwork and so Mm -hmm. 
like I love that I'm, you know, my work is being featured, but I also love most of the work that you see on the show is other amazing Mississippi artists. And so you, you know, the Karen Gallery represents around 40 artists wow. in the state of Mississippi. And at some point or other, their work has probably been hanging on the walls of these homes. Um, I don't even remember how many how many houses that they've redone at this point, but it's a lot. And yeah. and for every house to feature, you know, three or four pieces of art from different Mississippi artists, again, it's that sort of, you know, just like the plumber is part of the story. The artist gets to be part of the story, too. And it's this great celebration of craftsmen and um, the people of Mississippi. I think it's that's my favorite thing about it, I think. That's really cool. What was your house on the show? Yeah. So they um, we we move a lot. That's <laughs> um, they did a, a great farmhouse for us. Um about four years ago, um, and it was awesome. Um, but we also had a business in downtown Laurel, mm-hmm. and it was about twenty minute drive. So um, before long, the wall started closing in. The road seemed to get longer. So we actually um, sold the farmhouse and moved into a house that um, that was one of the ones that a, a homeowner didn't buy. Mm. Um, they were filming there and they were like, you guys have to come see this house. It's so cool. So we lived there and um, we laughed. It was it was our um, it was our COVID house. It was this beautiful retreat home that we lived in and that was just really, really wonderful. And then now we've had an opportunity to to move back downtown, which is where our heart is. And it's close to the gallery. And, you know, we get to walk my girls to school and get that, you know, that small town life that we we love so much that um, we're able to be a part of again. So That's great. Yeah. And your studio is downtown too, right? Yeah. So my studio is actually in the back of the Karen Gallery. We're all kind of in the same, the same old 1920s craftsman house. Um, and that's been really wonderful, you know, sort of through through COVID, we went through this, you know, quarantine lifestyle. And, and it was a really, for me as an artist, it was a time that I was able to get into my studio and really explore and experiment and um, really develop my style even more. And, um, but just like every other season of life, like that was, it was nice for the season. And now then I'm able to have my studio in an area that's a little bit more public. It's a little bit more, I'm able to interact with people as they come into the gallery and for them to come in and see me in the middle of a project, in the middle of a painting. And and I like that. I love that. Um, I love for people to see the process of work because I think that that's really important. Um, you know, my style is all about layers and um different shapes and forms coming together to create these sort of illustrative scenes. And, um, and so I love that people, when people get to see the different stages of that process, cause it's a, you know, it's a forward to backwards. There's layers of foreground covering background and then background covering foreground. And it's this constant revision that gets to happen in my process. And so for people to get to come in and see it in person, I, I really enjoy that. That's great. What mediums do you use mostly? So I used watercolor for gosh, 10 years almost. And I loved it. It was my favorite, my medium of choice. Um, and then I started playing with um, acrylic inks. And then that sort of led into to gouache, which then led sort of into acrylics. And, and so now I use a blend of like acrylic inks and acrylic paint. Um, I love playing with transparency versus opacity and um, just getting to see sort of, you know, when you 
when you only paint in watercolor for so long, it's sort of like painting glass. Like every layer covers the other one, but you can still see through it and see the layers before it. And so when you've done that for so long, switching over to these opaque paints that completely cover the one layer underneath it, um, you know, you get to experiment and play and um, get to do some things that you weren't able to do f for so long before. So, yeah. That's cool. Um, when you were teaching, did you uh, learn? Did what, what was that like for you? Did you learn a lot from, from teaching? Oh, or was... man. Yeah. So, you know, kids always, teaching kids makes you appreciate the fact that they learn by playing. So, you know, I taught for roughly 10 years before I, you know, went full time into my studio. And for 10 years, you know, I'm given the opportunity to be reminded that playing is good. Like, so when I go into my studio, part of my job is to play with paint, right? Like I'm always experimenting and I'm always pushing myself to try new things. And but if I come at it from the perspective of, you know, like a first grader, like one of the kids that I taught, then it becomes that I I am playing, right? I'm playing with paint. And then um, when I end up, I end up with a painting that, you know, I'm very proud of, but it's also one that I learned something. And so to me, if I finish a painting and I didn't feel like I learned anything, then it was sort of a missed opportunity. So every painting that I do, I really try to push myself and push my medium to see what I can learn from it. That's really cool. That's awesome. So tell us about the book that you and Aaron collaborated on. Yeah. It's called The Lantern House. The Lantern House. And yeah. it's out now, right? It is. It's out. It came out um, the end of March. Um, what a cool project. I mean, it was um, published by Little Brown for Young Readers. Very cool. Uh, so, you know, having the opportunity to go through a traditionally published book is something that is sort of a bucket list sort of a thing. I've always wanted to do it and now sort of have caught the bug and would love to do it again. Um but to be able to to work with Erin and this beautiful manuscript, she's an amazing writer. Um, and so to be able to take a manuscript that's already tells a beautiful story and then to be able to illustrate those words um, to become a, a children's book, like what an honor. And then to be able to, you know, there's a difference between a, a picture book and a um, children's book. And so a children's book is, you know, following along with the words and you're illustrating what's on the page. And then you get a picture book. And a picture book is for like my five-year-old who's, you know, we're working on those sight words, but we're still not 100% reader yet. And so she can tell the story with the pictures. And part of the story may not be what's written on the page. Mm -hmm. And I love that because it's, um, she gets to be as a part of the story as me, the reader, reading to her. But she also can tell me more than what's happening just in the words. Mm -hmm. And so to be able to produce a, a picture book with, um, you know, in a traditionally published setting, there's so many other storylines that happen in our book that aren't just words on the page. And I, that was the coolest part to me about the whole process. Um, yeah. That's so great. And so how did that process work? Was it did you do your illustrations and paintings or did you like you normally do or did you use a computer and a different system or what was no, your process? It was really important to us that we did traditional um, like traditional illustrations. We wanted them all to be paint on paper, right? Like we wanted them to be 
Um, That's so cool. Yeah, I, we wanted it to have the same feeling that the books that we loved as children. Mm-hmm. Like our first meeting where Aaron came to my studio and we started talking about this book, we both had probably MPB tote bags like full of <laughs> all of the children's <laughs> books that we loved from you know from our childhood that we right. still had, yeah. right? Like as yeah. you know, mid to late 30s, we're still toting these children's books around that we're reading to our kids mm-hmm. now. And we laid them out on the table and we went through every single one and just was like, well, what do you love about like my favorite each peach pear plum? What do you love about it? What's the best part of this book? And and then we, you know, picked apart that and we're like, okay, well, what are the elements of these that we can make as part of our book? Mm. And it was uh, crazy things like font choices. And if you look on the Lantern House at School, every page was printed before the illustrations were printed on so that every page looks like an aged page. Oh, because neat. we loved that, you know, I have this beautiful copy of The Little Prince, which is a super important book in my life. Mm-hmm. Well, when you open it up, that has that yellowed edged page that can only happen from, you know, the book sitting on the shelf for all these years. Mm -hmm. But we wanted it to feel like a book you've had for years the minute that you open it. And it was little things like that that we were able to really pull in and um, make those, you know, decisions up front about how we were going to produce this book. This is Sarah Story, the executive director of the Mississippi Arts Commission. You're listening to the podcast version of the Mississippi Arts Hour. To have access to all Arts Hour interviews, subscribe to the podcast on any podcasting app. You can also hear the show on MPB Think Radio every Sunday afternoon at 5 p.m. Hi, I'm Jason Klein from Fix It 101. If you ever thought about changing the doorknob or fixing a leaky faucet, some jobs just aren't that difficult, and yes, you can do it. If you want to find out how to do those things, listen to Fix It 101, podcast everywhere. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome back to the Mississippi Arts Hour on MPB Think Radio. I'm Sarah Story, the executive director for the Mississippi Arts Commission, And today we're joined by Adam Trust, an artist from Laurel, Mississippi, who just worked on a new book called The Lantern House and has an exhibition up at the MAX, the Mississippi Arts and Entertainment Experience in Meridian. So thanks again for being here, Adam. Ah, Yeah, thanks for having me. So we're talking about the book, and I want to hear more about how the plot came together. Did did you and Erin talk through that? Was this her manuscript? She brought it to you? What was that process sure. like? Sure. So, you know, Erin and I, like I said, we've worked together for, for quite a few years now. And, um, and it's funny because the way this sort of all came about was... Um, as she started working, she and Ben wrote a book a few years ago, and uh, once that sort of got rolling, I just would always mention every time I saw her, you know, <laughs> discreetly, not really. I would be like, hey, when you write your children's book, I want to illustrate it. And her, I think I even have a text message somewhere from her that I was, I text her and was like, hey, if you ever write a children's book, I want to illustrate it. And the response was, well, duh, like, of course you'll get to do it. And so, you know, we've, we've, talked about it for years and you know in that those conversations it would always be like well what is that what is the book about you know like well what are what are you going to write about and uh, it just made sense for her to write about a home a house mm-hmm. and why why do we love 
why do we love our house? Um, like, I think we were talking about it on the way in here. You know, I live in a house right now that's 120 years old. Like, what in the world has that house seen over the last <laughs> 120 years? A lot. Like, it has seen a lot. Uh-huh. It saw Laurel, like we talked about, when it was in its heyday, and mm-hmm. it saw it at its worst. And now it's seeing it come back to life, and it's been sitting on that corner for 120 years. Mm-hmm. And and so we, we have this idea um, where, you know, we're— Life in a house is not about you. Like you're a steward of that house, whether it's a brand new construction, whether it's a 120 year old house, whatever, you are just a chapter in the story of the house. And so that was sort of the beginning of our thoughts about this book was what if the book is about the house and the people that come through it Mm. that make it its own? Like, you know, my house has you know, details from 1900 when it was built, and then it has details from 1950 when it was added onto, and details from a year before we moved into it, you know, whenever that renovation happened. And it has made these changes throughout the years, and we'll, of course, leave our mark on it. And one day when we don't live there anymore, someone else will come in, and they'll either change what we did or they'll... But it will always have these marks from the people that lived in it. And so that was such a cool concept to think about. And then, But then you have to think, like, okay, well, it's a children's book, right? So, like, we can talk about that and understand right. it. But how do you pitch that to a five-year-old, right? Like, that's a whole nother conversation. And so it was figuring out, you know, how do you talk about that... Um, how a family leaves. Do they move? Did mm-hmm. they die? What are the changes that happen in in a family's life that cause them to move? And how do you make that into something suitable for children? And then what does that time in a house's life look like when no one lives in it? Mm-hmm. And so there's this cool, it's probably my favorite spread in the book, but it's, um, it's the time between the two families that we choose to focus on. And it's the spread that's... Um, it's like the the house is trying to think about well, what what am I going to become? What who's the next person that's going to come in? What will happen if a if a gardener moves into me? And so <laughs> I was able to illustrate the house as it was, but with these beautiful wings that have been added on of greenhouses, and there's like a <laughs> a flower growing out of the chimney. Or you know, will a circus performer move in? Well, then you have like a lion on the front porch, and you just go through like what are their thoughts about all of these things how is the house thinking about it? Mm. And then the thing that I love, again, talking about a picture book versus a children's book, the picture book lets you say more mm. and, and give more mm-hmm. through through um, visual storytelling. And so I love, you know, the last spread of the book, um, the house becomes all the things that we talked about when it was in empty. Um, there's a kid doing a cartwheel. Well, it became a house of a of an acrobat. The um, we one of the things is an astronomer. Well, you know, and so the kids in the front that are drawing on the ch- sidewalk chalk in the front of the yard are drawing um, rockets and planets on the on the sidewalk. And mm-hmm. the dad's watering the plants. Well, he's the gardener. And we talk about it being an artist's home. Well, the mom's painting, you know, on an easel in the yard. And so it doesn't go to the extreme of what it was thinking that it might be. But in some ways, it did become all of those things. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, being able to input things like that into the story through through images was mm-hmm. just such a cool experience to to be able to think through that and you know it's funny because that you asked about the process of of creating a book mm-hmm. well so like Aaron was able to write the manuscript 
and then you get the manuscript delivered to you and it's been approved right by the publisher and and so then you go through this whole process of well they're not just going to let you start with your final images, right? You have to come up with a plan and everybody's got to look at them and have opinions. And, and I love, like, I thrive on that. Like, please give me all the opinions. And so you do sketches. And so you have start with these little thumbnail sketches and send those off to the publisher and the art director weighs in and the editor weighs in. And because Aaron and I were working together, Aaron weighs in, you know, that's, that's not normally really what happens in a book, but um, because we came into it as partners, I want her input and uh, so then the sketches they all get a green light you know your thumbs up you're good and then so then you do second set of sketches and these are a little more finished and a little bigger and a little more detail and and then they all get approved well at this point you're ready to go to final and it's like okay now I can't sway from the sketches like if you have a new idea it's a process to go back and let's talk about how would we change that and um, it's pretty cool, actually. I have a an exhibit up at the Lauren Rogers right now too um, that has all of the illustrations from the children's book oh, from sketch to finished product. Oh, cool. And so you can kind of see where in the early sketches we've made some changes mm-hmm. to the composition, but really from the final sketch to the finished piece, it's pretty much the same. Wow. You know, there's little yeah. things that we tweaked along the way, mm-hmm. and um, but for the most part, it was you know. That was the process. And then you submit it and then months go by and you don't hear anything. And then all of a sudden it's like, hey, your book comes out next month. And you're uh-huh. like, oh, yes, this is awesome. Wow. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah. Did you um, did you and Aaron test it on your kids a couple of times? Oh, for sure, yeah. <laughs> uh, we would get proofs, you know, in the mail. They would send them to us and for us to check color and things. And um, I'd get, you know, texts from her reading it to Helen, and I'd be reading it to Poppy, and we would share notes like, was the spider too scary in this scene? No, Helen loved that. You know, Poppy didn't like this house color. Let's change. You know, it was it was cool. You know, like we had our own little test market right there. That's <laughs> that so we were cool. able to, to run it through, so, yeah. Are are y'all's kids old enough to get excited about the book coming out? Do they understand? You know, it's really funny. Uh, my daughter was at a um, a birthday weekend this weekend on the coast, and um, I got a text message from the dad that said, um, "My last conversation with Fincher went something like this: Hey, Fincher, let's go through Target and see if we can find your dad's book." To which my nine year old responds, "Ah, Mr. Jim, I don't think that it made it all the way down to Biloxi." <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks a lot, but like, she keeps me humble for sure but it was you know they they get what we've done and they love that they have this cool thing that's cool but uh, i think the bigness of it you know is is sort of lost on them maybe a little bit so of course. we had a conversation when she got home i was like dude you realize this is kind of a big deal right <laughs> <laughs> that's great well let's uh well anything else you want to say about the book before we talk about your other show yeah i mean it's it was such a cool process. I mean, the project was awesome. And I, you know, like I said, we're ready to go again. That's know? great. Well, cool. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I can't wait to see it. I have not gotten to see it yet. Um, okay, well, let's talk about your show at uh, the Meridian, the Mississippi Arts and Entertainment Experience in Meridian. Yeah. Um, so, that, you know, I have the, the show at the Lauren Rogers that I was really excited we were able to, to get up that correlates with the book but um also quick shout out to the lauren rogers and george bassey who's been there forever oh, it's for just sure. an amazing thing yeah. so thank you to george and that museum even doing cool stuff like he hung all or he his suggestion was having all of the work for the children's book 
hung lower than the standard oh, height so that so kids good. could see it. I mean, the coolest. They're the best there. Um, but yeah, so the Max called me about, um, this is a little over a year and a half ago, um, and wanted to do a show of my work. And um, I was like, okay, great. What would you like me to show and they're like oh we don't care and it was like okay all right no, that, just, that that helps you know you know we're you know wide open at this point of what could it be and so um you know over the last year and a half I was able to really start thinking about what I would want to show in my first museum exhibition and um you know I love visual storytelling and I love um you know, illustration was an amazing project to work on. Like the illustrations for the book were amazing to work on because I love to be able to tell a story with my work. But I loved the challenge of getting to produce. Um, I ended up doing eight pieces of, um, you know, not illustration, but fine art that told the story of Mississippi. Mm-hmm. Um, and so going back to my, you know, teaching days and then, you know, thinking back to uh, my mom was a teacher. She taught Mississippi studies in English and thinking through, you know, like if I was going to tell the story of Mississippi, mm-hmm. how do I do that? How would I um, think through that? And so I decided that, you know, Mississippi is such a cool place because we have so many different ecosystems within our state. Mm-hmm. From the coast all the way to, you know, the Delta and the Jackson Prairie, there's, you know, there's all these different regions of Mississippi. And so I decided that, um, you know, my work is very... um, I, I'm inspired a lot by folk art. And so I love flora and fauna and the way that those natural elements can become pattern-based. And um, and so I, I just got really excited about thinking through the different flora and fauna in different regions mm-hmm. of Mississippi. And I wanted each painting to represent a different region or similar regions. Like there's um, the Jackson Prairie and the Black Prairie. I kind of combined those two and then um, I combined another one. So I had eight of the 12 regions. Um, And then it was like a challenge at that point. Like I wanted to make sure I called the series Mississippi Lost and Found because you know, at the beginning of this, if you had asked me, you know, like, oh, what are the animals that live in Mississippi? Well, you're like, okay, well, I live in, you know, the Piney Hills. So deer, turkey, raccoons, mm-hmm. armadillos. Like, <laughs> that's, that's kind of the broad spectrum there. And then I uh, I got to work with um, a biologist. Her name's Sabrina Cummings. And she was an amazing help to me because she sort of sat down with me and she did way more research and saved me from having to do so much research. Uh, but she went through and not only found species of animals and plants that were specific to each of the region, but then she helped me highlight the ones that were threatened. Mm. And I loved that because oh, wow. whenever I went to Mississippi Lost and Found as mm-hmm. my series title, like, you know, who knew that on the coast we had sandhill cranes? Beautiful. Mm. I mean, they're so beautiful. And I still, they're kind of like my Mississippi unicorn. I want to see one because I've never (laughs) seen one in real life. But they're these beautiful cranes that have this like red hat, like red cap. And Mm. so being able to go in and find species like the gopher tortoise and things that are so influential to our state and all of the different um, species that we have, like a gopher tortoise digs burrows for animals that don't dig burrows for themselves. So it's important that we, you know, know not to destroy their habitat because they're doing things to help other species thrive. And so it was through her research that she really kind of opened my eyes to these amazing species that we have 
that then I got to produce into these beautiful works of art. And, um, and so I was able to go in and um, tell the story of each of these regions. And then um, you know, they're all done in the same color palette. So you really get to focus not on the differences of like color or shape or scale, but you focus on the differences of landscape and you see those different animals and plants. And um, it was just a really cool experience because, you know, I went back through again to my sort of history of Mississippi, right? Like Mm -hmm. my life in Mississippi. And at some point I have lived in like six of the, 12 oh. regions mm-hmm. or somewhere similar like I count Fairhope as being part of the coast right, right? cuz it still has sort of the same feel as the Mississippi Gulf Coast um and then just time that I spent in the Mississippi Gulf Coast or you know while I was in college in Starkville and that area is so different from where we live in Laurel in the Piney Woods. And so being able to go back then after I'm developing these compositions and building these paintings up um to think about what my experience in each of these areas was, was really just this cool reflective time that I was able to have Mm of um, really just appreciating our state even more than I did before. Mm -hmm. And just, you know, it's the place now that we've chosen to settle down and raise our family. And so to be able to understand why it is that we love the place that we do and then to pass that on to my kids. So. That's awesome. Yeah, that's very cool. And how long will that be up at the... Through the first week of November. Okay. So still there for just a little bit longer. And how long will your show at the Lauren Rogers be up? It comes down in the next by the beginning of September. Yeah. But we're okay. already talking with a couple of other places of that would like to show those pieces as well. So um, you can see all of that on my website. Great. Awesome. Well, what else are you working on? What else is coming up next? Yeah. So I'm doing a big collection of work that's being released the end of September. Um, and it's I'm really excited about it because it's going to be the root of a, a line of wallpaper. Mm, very cool. So I'm very excited about that because, I, you know, a lot of my work is very pattern driven. And, mm-hmm. um, and so I love whenever I'm able to use that into a product. And um, again, getting to work with hometown, it's nice to be able to produce something that, you know, they're able to use that's not just a print. So. That's awesome. Yeah, well, we'll look forward to seeing that. So where can people find you? Website, social yeah, media? So my website can sort of send you everywhere you need to go. So adamtress.com. Awesome. And anything else? Are you doing book tours? Yeah, we're just kind of all over the place with that Um any opportunity we have, we kind of go and talk about it. Okay. Well, people can be on the lookout for that at their local bookstores. And thanks so much for being on the show, Adam. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. And thanks, everyone, for tuning in to the Mississippi Arts Hour. Thanks for listening to this MPB Think Radio podcast. MPB depends on support from listeners. So if you can, please contribute today at mpbonline.org. Hi, I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, Professor of Internal Medicine and Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. On the original Southern Remedy, we answer questions about all aspects of your health and share some of the latest medical information in the news. You can listen to the show on Wednesdays at 11 on MPB Think Radio, or you can subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy on your preferred podcasting app.